The Cardinals got some news today as the 2022 Gold Glove finalists were announced. I'll let you know who on the Cardinals has made the cut so far. Plus, we'll continue our review of the season by talking about rookie manager Ali Marmel. Was this season a success or a failure because of how it ended? On today's episode of Locked on Cardinals. You are Locked on Cardinals. Your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey Cardinals fans, I'm J.D. Hafford. I'm a national radio sports anchor, born and raised in the Lou and a lifetime Cardinals fan, and I'm your host for Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. You can follow me on Twitter at J.D. Sports Radio. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LO underscore Cardinals. I want to thank those of you who make Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube. If you haven't jumped over there yet, you should do that. You can like, subscribe, hit the notification button. You can also comment so you can interact with us. This is a show serving Cardinal Nation and giving the best fans of baseball all of the info about the birds on the bat. Now, last year, the Cardinals did something. Uh, the Cardinals did something that was never done before. They they had five gold glovers in the starting lineup. Five. They liked gold. For those of you who know Austin Powers movies, you know what I'm talking about. So let's go around the horn real quick. Recap what happened last year. You had Nolan Arenado at third base, won his ninth in a row at the hot corner. Tommy Edmond won his first over at second base. Paul Goldschmidt grabs his fourth, but first one since coming to the Cardinals. In the outfield, it was Tyler O'Neill winning his second consecutive gold glove in left field. And then in center field, Harrison Bader picked up his first career gold glove. And as a St. Louis Cardinals fan, you know you loved it. I loved it. We've always had a soft spot for guys who can play awesome defense. We we, we pride ourselves on having a team out there that, that we feel the team that can pick up the ball, turn double plays, do the cool stuff. I mean, we've had a lot of really good defensive players over the year. My favorite Cardinal of all time. Ozzie Smith, Jersey, right behind me right now. 13-time gold glove winner. Keith Hernandez, won 11, six of those with the Cardinals. Yachty, of course, got nine, maybe the best defensive catcher of all time. Will go down as one of them for sure. Uh, Bob Gibson got nine. Jimmy Edmonds got eight, six of those with the Cardinals. Scott Rowland won eight of them, three with the Cardinals. Mike Matheny had four, three with the Cardinals. Terry Pendleton. Had three, two of those with the Cardinals. Tom Pagnazzi won a couple. Edgar Renteria won two. Jason Hayward got one. The list goes on and on and on and on and on of people. Colton Wong. You know, like we, we've had plenty of guys who can play good defense, and we dig it. You get the picture, though. Defense has always been a thing for the Cardinals. It's important to the fans and to the franchise. So today, the 2022 Rawlings Gold Glove Award finalists were announced with winners to be unveiled during a one-hour special edition broadcast of Baseball Tonight. That'll happen on November 1st at 5 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock St. Louis time. That'll air on ESPN prior to Game 4 of the 2022 World Series. So there are three finalists per league at each position, including the newly established Utility Spot, the edition of which was announced last month. Now, to determine the winners at the nine standard positions, the 30 MLB managers and up to six coaches from each team vote from a pool of players in their league, excluding players from their own team. These votes compromise 75% of the selection total, with the Sabre Defensive Index counting for the other 25%. 
for the utility position, Rawlings collaborated with Sabre to create a specialized defensive formula separate from the traditional selection process. In the National League, there will be no three-peat for Tyler O'Neill. You knew that was coming, right? Uh, he hardly played. Due to injuries, he didn't make the final three, but Nolan Arenado made it at third base again. He's along with uh, Key Brian Hayes from the Pittsburgh Pirates and Ryan McMahon of the Colorado Rockies, which is crazy because you know who's missing out of that group? Manny Machado. Manny Machado didn't make the final three from the Padres, even though most people consider Arenado and Machado the two best at the position. Kind of shocking he's not in there. Again, no one's won in all nine years he's been in the league. With one more, he'll tie Hall of Famer Mike Schmidt, former Philly, for the second biggest total at the hot corner, behind only Hall of Famer Brooks Robinson, 16, doing that with the Orioles over the years. Tommy Edmond has made the finalists at second base, even though he actually played slightly more innings at shortstop. Remember, he had to move over after Paul DeYoung and Edmundo Sosa couldn't figure out how to use that big piece of wood they call a baseball bat. They didn't know how to use that when they were wearing the Cardinal uniform. So Tommy had to move over to second base. And because of this, he's also a candidate at the new utility spot. The other guys at second base are Jake Cronenworth from the Padres and Brennan Rogers from the Rockies. Paul Goldschmidt, he's back again at first base. And as you already know, top candidate for the NL MVP award. Goldie is shooting for his fifth gold glove award at first base and second in a row, which would make him only the ninth player to collect at least that many. He's up against Matt Olson from the Braves, who's got a pretty good glove. He won a couple gold gloves with the A's over the American League. And then Christian Walker from the Diamondbacks. Now, I mentioned the utility spot that Edmund is a finalist for, okay? But he's not the only Cardinal that is up for the utility role. Rookie Brendan Donovan, how about that, has made the final three as well. So it's Tommy Edmund, Brendan Donovan, and then Dalton Varsho as the three players who were the finalists in the utility role. Now, Edmund and Varsho are also nominees at other positions. Edmund, we mentioned second base. Varsho also up for uh, the gold glove in right field. But how about that? Brendan Donovan getting the love. Donovan played every infield position and both corner outfield spots. He started at least 16 games apiece at second base, where he started 32 games. Third base, he started 21. Right field, 16. And left field, 16. This is so cool for him and well-deserved. So I'm really, really happy for him. When the announcement came down, I was like, oh, my gosh, that is awesome. Brendan Donovan. Again, winners will be unveiled during a uh, one-year or one-year uh, during a one-hour special edition broadcast of baseball tonight on November 1st at 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 o'clock St. Louis time. It'll air on ESPN prior to Game 4 of the 2022 World Series. So it is a possibility that the Cardinals have four more gold gloves added to their franchise trophy case this year we wish uh, all of them the best of luck now um we got to talk about ali marble oh the dog's barking now dog's barking while we're recording somebody must have just shown up so sorry about that but anyway uh ali marble rookie manager is this year a failure because of how it ended or is it a success because he did get them to the playoffs they did win the nl central we'll discuss all of that next now, I mentioned um, yesterday about how looking good is quite important when it comes to just how you feel about yourself in life, when it comes to, like, confidence, about making first impressions. You know, if you're walking around in, like, you know, some wrinkly, just 
ugly, holy, nasty type of shirt or clothing. People aren't really gonna like like that at all. They're not gonna you're not gonna draw the right attention with that kind of look. So for everyday comfort, we've got a group of people who have decided, you know what, we can help you out with this. The folks at Roan want to help you look your best each day in a few different ways. First off, let's talk about the dress shirt. It was due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter shirt is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible shirt known to man, and it's that way for a couple of reasons. You've got, first off, Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric. It provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way from your commute to work to your 18 holes of golf. Whatever it is, it's got you covered. It's also time to feel confident with a wrinkle-free shirt without the hassle. Who in this podcast likes to uh, actually iron clothes? Anybody? If you do, you're you're one of the few because ironing is not fun. And with Roan's wrinkle-release technology, wrinkles, they disappear as you stretch and wear the shirt. How easy is that? And we like easy. We do. And with Gold Fusion anti-odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry cleaner altogether. Added expenses that you don't need anymore. The commuter shirt can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. So head to Roam.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to Roan, which is spelled R-H-O-N-E.com slash locked on and use code locked on. It's time to find your corner comfort, your corner office comfort. Let's find it together. Upgrade your closet with Roan and use Locked On to save 20% at www.roan.com slash Locked On. Ali Marmol came into the season as a rookie manager for the team, but been in the organization for quite some time. Drafted by the Cardinals in the sixth round of the 2007 draft. He played at the Cardinals organization for four seasons. In 2011, Marmol became the hitting coach of the Gulf Coast Cardinals of the rookie-level Gulf Coast League. The next season, he becomes manager of the Johnson City Cardinals of the rookie-level Appalachian League and led the team to the postseason. In 2013, he managed the State College Spikes of the New York Penn League. He then returned to State College in 2014, won the league's championship. In 2015, he was promoted to manager at Palm Beach and managed Palm Beach for the 2016 season as well. The Cardinals named Marmol their first base coach before the 2017 season. Before the 2019 season, the Cardinals shifted Marmol to bench coach, where he remained under manager Mike Schilt. Now, on October 14th, the Cardinals shocked a lot of people, many of us, myself included, and I remember having to do kind of like a double take when I saw it happen, uh, when, it, when it was announced on my phone, that the team announced that Schilt would not return in the 2022 season, having been fired due to philosophical differences. Schill was a pretty darn good manager, right? I mean, it's hard to argue with his results. He had just won the NL Manager of the Year Award in 2019. After a bit of a topsy-turvy year, he managed the team down the stretch on that record-setting 17-game winning streak, clinching the second wildcard spot. But they lose to the Dodgers on the walk-off home run by Chris Taylor against Alex Reyes. And the funny part was, after they can Mike Schilt, after he gets let go, he gets nominated. It's announced that he's nominated for the National League Manager of the Year again. And a lot of us looked around like, uh-oh, what if he wins? I mean, how many times has that ever happened that the, the Manager of the Year got fired? So uh, he didn't win, obviously. He ended up uh, coming in third. The award went to the Giants manager, Gabe Kapler. But um, 
that was a crazy time, right? Like we didn't expect that to happen. I had no idea Mike Schilt was going to get let go. And after a couple of weeks, October 25th rolled around and Ollie was promoted to manager of the Cardinals for bench coach to manager. Uh, the team had gone to the playoffs the last three seasons. So it was his job to not only take this talented bunch and win baseball games with them in the regular season, but get them to the postseason and then actually win in the postseason. That was the point, something they hadn't done since 2019 when they beat the Braves in the NLDS. Then they got swept by the Nationals in the NLCS. They fell two games to one of the Padres in the COVID playoff year of 2020 and then lost to the Dodgers in their lone game last season. Now, during the regular season, I think we can all agree that Ali was pretty darn steady. There wasn't a lot of complaining about Ali this year. Now, some of the things I liked about him personally was that he didn't just keep playing guys when they weren't producing. Okay. When Albert wasn't hitting early on in the season, Albert wasn't hitting anymore. Okay. They, even against left-handers. Well, I guess he still started him against left-handers, but he definitely was not starting him against right-handers ever. Like that was not happening hardly at all, unless somebody was injured or somebody needed a day off. But he had other guys DHing. He had rookie Juan Yepes getting a lot of starts at DH and in, uh, in the outfield. Corey Dickerson was DHing some. Uh, when Nolan Gorman started struggling, despite being the top prospect in the organization coming into the season, he sat Gorman. When Dylan Carlson couldn't hit righties anymore, he sat him against righties. If a bullpen arm had issues, he sends him down to Memphis. And it says Cabrera, who was part of the big three coming into the year. He was uh, had a fantastic first half of the season. Sucked. When the second half got underway, you're gone. Sent him down to Memphis. It was over. Um, I respect that. I like that he had the, the cojones, if you will, to make those moves. He tried to put the best players at the time on the field each and every day to win the ballgame. Now, like any manager, I'm sure, I'm sure that there were moments in the season that he made some bad judgments and say a pitching change or pinch hitting somebody. It happens to all managers. Nobody is immune to those kinds of mistakes because sometimes you just, it's not just the numbers. And I know Ali is an analytics guy and the numbers are what they usually go for. But, you know, there's sometimes you go with your hunch, you go with your gut doesn't always work out, but the postseason is where they really needed him to step up, and that's where they wanted some improvement at, and unfortunately, it was a failure. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump into the uh, playoff managerial cluster that was game one against the Phillies, and we're going to do that next here on Locked on Cardinals. As much as Ali was good and steady during the regular season, we get to the postseason where things can change very, very quickly, and boy, did they for Ali. Because game one was going about as close to script as you wanted it to for him and the Cardinals. We knew it was going to be likely a low-scoring game. You had Zach Wheeler on the bump for the Phillies, who had just not given up anything against the Cardinals all year. Uh, you had Quintana, who'd been your best pitcher down the stretch, doing Quintana things by holding the Phillies' offense to almost nothing. And then things changed. Now, I've discussed this already, this whole scenario, I've discussed this on this podcast in a previous show. So instead of me just kind of rehashing everything I said, I thought I'd go find like an expert of some sort that you could hear through their voice what they think happened in this uh, in this particular game and uh, what, what their thoughts were on it. So 
Bernie Miklas, uh, considered by many to be one of the best St. Louis sports writers ever, put up a piece over at scoopswithdannymac.com, which is a great website, by the way. If you're a Cardinal fan and you're not over on that website ever, you should start doing it. Scoopswithdannymac.com. Go to Burn Baby, I think is what he calls it. And that's uh, the Bernie Miklas column that he puts up there all the time. So here's what he said about the game one mess. And this is the day after the game, by the way. Uh, the first-year manager, so smart and cool-headed during the regular season, entered his first postseason and went helter-skelter in a deeply unsettling manner. For the Cardinals, game one was reversed and ruined by Marmel's bizarre combination of overmanaging by needlessly yanking the smooth and brilliant starting pitcher Jose Quintana and then not managing at all as closer Ryan Helsley imploded during a horrifying collapse that required quick intervention. The home team's 2-0 lead and ninth inning 97% win expectancy went up in smoke. Marmel's credibility took a hit, and the Cardinals were electroshocked in the unimaginable 6-3 loss that rates among the worst in STL's postseason history. And while individual players screwed up or had bad or nondescript days, this hideous setback goes on Marmel full stop. Now, Nicholas went on to talk about the reasons why he thought what happened in that game were on Marmol's shoulders. Uh, he talks about pulling Quintana in the sixth inning, bringing Helsley in for a five-out save despite the, the uh, finger injury, not reacting quicker to Helsley's loss of command, the lack of urgency of getting the bullpen ready when things got really bad. He criticized the defensive positioning that allowed the Gene Segura ball to get through to the outfield. He didn't understand the batting order change of moving uh, Brendan Donovan down to the fifth spot instead of leaving him at number two. And when I was reading this, the more and more I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All that sucked. <laughs> Why did he do these things? And this is what's going to stick with us until next year. Despite all the good moves, the backing of his players when things weren't good, all the smiles and all of the butt pats when things were going great and all the historic and joyous occasions that had filled up this 2022 season, the, the Wainwright and Yachty stuff, obviously the Albert Pujol stuff, like all of that greatness all ends on a really, really, really sour note in large part because of things that Ali did or didn't do in that game one. Game two, there wasn't much he could do. They didn't score any runs. They lost two to nothing. Uh, most people think, though, in game one that Marmel pulled the trigger too quick on Quintana. My mom even texted me that day. She goes, why is he taking him out? And what he had done during the regular season was he didn't let Quintana go to have a lineup, go far enough to have a lineup see him for a third time around. And I guess that's what he was going with there, too. Uh, so pulling the trigger too quick on Quintana, then too slow on Helsley, which I criticized as well. We we're like, why? why is he still out there? It's the difference between regular season managing and postseason managing. The slightest hesitation, it can end disastrously. One bad move can ruin a whole series, and in a best of three series, it's even more magnified because you don't have any room to work with. Like in a seven-game series, you've got more games to kind of figure out. you got to worry about what's going to happen in game four. In a best of three, you got two games, basically, and it's over, and that's what happened. So if you look at the Cardinals, they haven't won a postseason game now in their last five attempts and have gone one and nine in their last 10 postseason games. Yuck. Like, yuck. So I'm sure Ali will learn from this. He's a smart guy. I think he did a great job during the regular season. And unfortunately, 
that's what's going to be remembered is what happened in the playoffs. He was a rookie manager after all, managing in his first major league playoff game. You want to give him a, a, a little bit of a longer leash for stuff like that, but at the same time, we didn't have we don't have Albert and Yachty anymore. It's over. And this was their last run, and you wanted to take advantage of having them around still, and now you don't have them. Now you got to figure out how to fill those holes again. So um, I got Ollie's back. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be better next year. I really, really do. Let's OP and the team get a chance to show uh, what they've learned in this postseason, next postseason. Hopefully they can make it again and uh, figure it all out and do the right things this time around. Thanks for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen today. Now make your second listen to Locked On MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. As always, be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Cardinals and at JD Sports Radio. You're the best fans of baseball for a reason, and I'll see you next time right here on Locked On Cardinals.